Hello and welcome to my second six-day compilation series of Silence. Each day over the next six days, I'm bringing you the best of some 13 hours of raw honesty and vulnerability that happens on this show. Silence is a weekly podcast and conversation between women in science, technology, engineering and mathematics, or STEM. All of my guests are highly accomplished females, but most importantly, they're human, just like the rest of us. I deliberately keep their identities secret so that they have real freedom to share their experiences, wisdom and hope about surviving and thriving in what often feels like a very male-dominated world. So whatever it is you do with your own life, if you ever feel like you don't fit in or that you're in a minority in some way, you may find some inspiration here. Trust me, I was one of very few women in mechanical engineering for a number of years. I know the feeling. Have a listen to this collection of sound bites from some amazing trailblazers, and you might, just as I always do, get motivated to be the best version of yourself. Enjoy. Yeah, I don't think my parents would have had it any other way. I was one of those really scheduled children, you know, it's like narcissistic extension of your parents who are like really overly active in your life. And I had the violin lessons and the dance classes and the gymnastics and the you know, private tutoring and math. And they were really concerned. I think that I was going to come out weird. So they tried to overcompensate and all of this stuff, like even, you know, in terms of like trying to make sure I was cultured, like opera and dance and exposing me to all of those things. So they had really high hopes for me. I didn't know any other way. Um, and I, I continued skating for another year and then it just got to the point where, um, my research just became too intense and I couldn't, I couldn't continue skating. Plus I was kind of, as you get older in skating, you're, and just from a physics perspective, if your moment of inertia increases, (laughs) you're going to decrease your angular acceleration. So you won't be able to do the jumps anymore and things like that. So I was, uh, I was sort of losing my, my, uh, ability to uh to skate as well as i had as a as a younger person like a lot of engineers i was introvert as a child i loved to read and i always think i was a little more organized at home so my mom's the one i think who planted this in my head that this one she can do science you know that was all she knew she didn't know what i would do but because i have a couple of sisters and both of them are more artistic and Clearly, I was not. So I think sort of that helped to reinforce the fact that I was a little more organized in my thinking or, you know, I like to get to read encyclopedias and do some of that stuff. I think I don't, I guess I never made excuses for for the way that I was. And I, I guess people thought it was strange and that I, I was never perceived as like an overachiever or anything, but I always did well and I was just always very motivated. I mean, like, of course, as someone that was, I was not feeling great about myself, I think, when I was 16, because I think it's an awkward time in anyone's life, Um, particularly for me, because I was trying to also, I was very driven. So um, I was trying to figure out already what I wanted to study in university. And I was getting extremely confused because I was really into fine art, but I also really loved biology and I also was very angry because I didn't have good math instructors in high school. So I was just mad because I felt like I wasn't learning in the way that I wanted to learn and that I wasn't like achieving this peak that I knew I could get to if I was correctly explained um, how things functioned in a more kind of like, you know, I think math was 
quote unquote hard for me, but I also, I think I'm not saying that it's because I'm saying, I'm saying it, I'm saying it's because of the instruction that I received. I don't, I think learning math, especially chapter to chapter, like I did in my schooling where there isn't an over kind of arching connection in theory of math and how everything relates to each other can be really hard to grasp like some of these concepts and and all you see are like numbers on the page so um or you try to memorize a bunch of stuff and you don't even know why you're memorizing it that actually what i learned in school about having to be an individual genius like having to sort of come up with all the ideas yourself that that really isn't the way that the world works and I, I think women probably understand that more inherently that um you know that's part of the male-dominated architecture culture too it's like this this idea of architectural genius as one person that's the story that's the history of architecture um i remembered being upset that I couldn't go to parties or, you know, I couldn't date openly. Um, anyway, uh, I, I, and I remember being sort of upset and feeling it was fundamentally unfair. But I remember thinking to myself, right, you know, independence is what happens when you're 18. Um, you know, I just have to get through these teenage years. As soon as I'm eight, 18, I'll forge my own path in the world. Um, so I remember from a very young age feeling I didn't really like this environment. I'm going to get out of this environment. I know by 18, I just need to study, work hard, become financially independent, and then I can actually build my own future according to the principles that I believe in rather than those that are sort of pushed um, onto me. So I remember understanding that and then therefore seeing that sort of light at the end of the tunnel. Um, So even though everyone experiences imposter syndrome as they enter academia, I feel it's a lot stronger in the women and also even though we might be a lot more likely to be open about it or more comfortable with expressing not knowing much about certain areas um, I have come to notice that whilst the men will keep up a facade and pretend to know more than they do because they don't want to let on that they don't grasp a concept when a woman does ask about it with one of our supervisors I think it comes as being perceived as a weakness or that we're not working as hard as we should be even though we are we're all working equally hard or perhaps even harder it's almost like the admission of not knowing um, the, the superficial perception that they get of what we let on seems to mark our reputation more and this was something that we were discussing the other day because I would say we were all equally capable but because we were more happy to let on about not understanding something which is the right thing to do because then you can catch problems early Um, this was perceived by our male supervisor as perhaps being a source of concern and this also made me wonder if there were some unconscious biases in the group that might be affecting our supervisor's perception of us. You never can have it all. Life will never give you everything. I mean, in my own case, I've got amazing friends, family and all this, but, you know, I'm missing a big piece of what people have. I don't have kids. I was not able to have kids. And that's that's a big gap, right? But I have fulfillment in other areas. And don't look for having it all. I think 
look for finding ways to to just embrace what you have and then if you're not really happy with what you're doing for example or your job or you're feeling powerless i think that's that's kind of the biggest handicap feeling powerful and feeling that you are contributing to me that's that's having it all having respect for myself and for others and you know having that reflected back to me those are the things mm. i think that matter because if you look for i need to have this i need to have the home i need to have the family i need to have peace with whatever you're not going to get that absolutely i think that i found that my entire life and the older i get the more i appreciate how much pattern matching i do um i had a really weird upbringing i was homeschooled um so i didn't go through like the normal patterns of like learning about social interaction <laughs> So I learn the social patterns of each group that I participate in through observation and mimicry. And if you don't have really terrific role models, which it's really difficult to be a woman in science and to get it right. So if you're looking for a woman in science to look up to, you have maybe a chance of finding one. And if she hasn't figured out how to navigate the, you know, all of the complexities of what that means, well or in a way that works for you and your personality it can be really isolating and it took me a while to find the people that i thought were really doing it well or that i admired the other thing though that i have found and i it still occurs is i believe women get held to different standards and uh, and these biases are are deep i had a developer who uh, actually, she was our CTO at a company I was at, and let's say her name was Daniela, right? And she, um, w- when she was an engineer, she would submit her resume for job openings and be, you know, returned a very nice letter that said, thank you, but you don't have the qualifications or the experience levels that we're looking for this role. And then she changed her um she thought on a hunch, let me drop the A and submit as Daniel. And all of a sudden she was qualified, you know? So, I mean, those kind of things are out there and you have to know they have, right? You just have to know. And there are all these controls, like in the symphony, you know, when you audition now, they do that as blind audition. So you can't see the gender. You just hear the performance for the audition for those reasons, we need some version of that for tech, right? You know? But it's also accepting yourself for who you are, which is the most powerful thing you can do. And men have emotions too. And one of the things that one of the guys told me, and this is in a Nordic country where they're a little more stoic, but what he told me was so powerful. He told me that one day I got really emotional about something was not working. You know, I get like this sometimes in the project, you know? things are not working and then he's and I said I'm sorry I'm getting very emotional and he said no no you being emotional gives us permission to be emotional too so it's okay and I felt so good that with these guys some of them bring them with us we can lead them don't just think that I want to be their equal think of there's something I can give to these guys and lead them into a better place of comfortable you know we are okay with with the complexities of life and emotions and let's bring that into the workplace too and kind of help them you know talk to them about this and you know see 
I mean, I, I took some time off. I took two years between my undergrad and my graduate program. And I, I always sort of thought, oh, maybe I'll do a master's, but I never really thought about a PhD program. That just kind of happened. But when I told my father that I was going to be applying for graduate programs, he was so excited. I've never actually seen him that excited, except maybe when I actually graduated. This was sort of a fulfillment of his dream, and I knew that that was important to him. So that, that helped me make the decision for sure. And what happens in your sort of late 20s and your early 30s is the women start getting distracted. And instead of thinking about their career, they start thinking, I need to get married. I need to have a child because the biological clock, again, biology. And so that distraction until they then found the guy and then got married or not got married nowadays. um, Then the problem is that then the real problems start because then it's like being hit over, you know, run over by a bus. But yet you have to continue to still keep walking, you know, which is, you know, running in your career. Um, So what actually happens? You start mentally being distracted in your late 20s, early 30s, because you realize your biological clock is ticking, and you realize you need to find someone and have a kid, right? So that takes distraction away from your career. So and you see that all the time. And it's politically incorrect to say it, but it's an absolute fact in the workplace. Um, you know, I often give opportunities to women and men if if I'm a bit, you know, I'm probably a bit biased more towards wanting to help women. Um, but the women are like, no, I'm not interested. I you know, no, in the evenings, I want to go out and, you know, I want to spend time with my boyfriend and, um, you know, or my husband to be or whatever. And the men are like, yeah, I'll take it. I'll go there. I'll go traveling. I'll go to that networking. So the men are the ones who jump at the opportunities um, in you know, and the women start closing themselves off from the opportunities because they give priority to relationships. Men give priority to themselves. Women give priority to their relationships, i.e. to the men. So what happens is women take their power and give it to men. Men are not giving it. I don't hear a man say, oh, no, I've got to go home to the wife. Or no, I've got to spend time, you know. Men would gladly cancel a Valentine's weekend to Paris if it means that they get a promotion. Gladly, you know, they'll, they'll, you know, it's, oh, sorry, darling, I couldn't do it because of work. Women, you know, they find it difficult to say to the boyfriends, oh, sorry, I can't do it because of work. Basically, men prioritize their work, women prioritize men because they want to get the men in order to have the babies to stop that biological clock ticking. And then, and they think then they're going to live happily ever after, but they don't realize actually the journey, you know, of um, hell has just started because then what they then have to do is once you're married or you've got your long term partner, you be, the relationship will survive on the premise that you put his needs above yours. And because that is gender conditioning. I, you know, because they they have to, you know, always be on call and respond to emails. And I think I just think overall, the culture needs a, an overhaul, you know, and um, this is one good thing about having more millennials in the workplace is um, they do care about work-life balance more than maybe my generation, which is Gen X. Well, I mean, I think the thing is there are some women who would say that they are less emotional and less sensitive than men. It's just that society has conditioned men to not be sensitive and not show emotion. So, um I, you know, that's a difficult question even in itself to ask, you know, when you have an answer that question, but, you know, are women, are women more emotional and are women more sensitive or is it simply that men 
are not able to be sensitive enough and men aren't able to show emotion or, or they're not emotional enough. I, I think men tend to, uh, you know, even if they aren't necessarily ready to go and, and, and do the thing, just sort of jumping off, off the deep end and, and making yourself swim. Um, I see more men do that than women. And I've tried to emulate that of, you know, even if you don't necessarily feel quite ready to do something, just, you know, apply for that fellowship or apply for that job or apply for, you know, apply for whatever it is, or put yourself in that situation where you're uncomfortable. I think that's something that I struggle with and need to work on because I think we all have that imposter syndrome as women where we feel like we're not, if we're not 100% qualified for something, we shouldn't go for it. Whereas if you're, you know, if you've got 80% of the qualifications, you should probably apply for it. You never know um, if you'll get it. And if you do, then you'll figure out the other 20%. So I think it was always there. Um, but I I was always fascinated by, um, you know, by STEM. I mean, in particular, I was fascinated by science because I just loved the approach of, of an evidence-based approach and a structured process. And I would apply that to sort of thinking. So whenever people used to sort of spout off opinion, I would immediately want to know, well, is it just opinion based upon unconscious or conscious bias or is it actually evidence-based? And I think science gives you a really strong framework um, so that which you can take into all aspects of your life to seek evidence-based solutions as opposed to being influenced by, um, by somebody's opinion in authority. Maybe. And I felt like that attention was just because I was a, you know, a somewhat attractive female. And I could sort of tell that they were talking to me more because of that. Um, and I, that made me feel uncomfortable. Um, but it was nothing overt ever, you know, occurred or anything like that. But I, I do remember having that, that feeling like, oh, they're only talking to me because I'm a, I'm a cute girl. But at the same time, I was like, well, at least they're hearing about my research, you know? <laughs> so it's, uh, but, yeah, I was like, all right, I can use this to my advantage. Why not? You know, they're going to talk to me. I'm going to tell them about my work. So it's being an introvert, but is okay. But you need to learn how to communicate regardless, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert. And I think that's something I learned quite later in life, learning to speak and to express my thoughts more clearly than just, you know, taking it all inwards. In terms of outcome, I mean, this is the best case scenario. I learned it, even if I learned it late, right? Um, but it's multi—it's those multiple moments, right? It's the moments where you're walking down the hall with a senior scientist in the lab having a conversation that takes a weird turn and you think, huh, that was inappropriate or, hmm, I'm pretty sure I was supposed to call HR. But you... It doesn't occur to you because you're taught to be nice and make sh- and smooth everything over. So you laugh it off and then it follows you for another hour or two. And then finally, right. And then it clicks and you're like, oh, no, that was actually bad. And the funny thing is that, you know, up until almost through junior high and everything, I was in a in a co-ed school, so boys and girls. And then I went into a, a, a school that was all girl. And that to me was 
was an adjustment. It was hard. I was not used to having only girls. And I feel that, I mean, there's people who do this for different reasons. And they say it's sometimes better for girls to be in an all-girls school. But I was miserable. Yes. And I think also both my parents, um, they studied economics and um, and maths. And they also were in accounting and finance, both of them. And so I think also when you're brought up in that household, you basically just pick up that level of thinking. And um, so, so I do think as, you know, as children, you, you pick up your parents' profession and therefore their sort of way of thinking, the way of looking at the world. Um, and then that ends up sort of, you know, buried in our psyches. The good thing about having this excessive awareness of what I'm thinking or doubting about at least meant that I was able to catch these unhealthy work thought patterns. And whilst I can't say I've completely fixed them, I would say that I'm on the path to knowing what to do about them rather than having them, you know, resurface again in the future and having them catch me off guard. That's the way I feel. I, I, and, I, and I think I've been very lucky at, at difficult times in my life that I've had strong support from the people around me. Also, not just in my department, but also males, as well, mainly males, actually, some females, but mainly males, uh, but also in my um, community, my solar research community. Uh, when I had difficult times then, people would listen, people would give me advice, people would say, no, 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 you can't leave, no, we, we're not going to let you leave, you're going to carry on, you know. So I think that that, uh, that support has been crucial to me. So I, I don't think I have gone, you know, dead for this path and it's it's gone straight, it hasn't gone straight. But I've had an idea of what I wanted to do and, and where I wanted to go and fortunately I have managed to do it. You need to work like especially when we start out in our career we don't feel the power to do this and somehow i wish that would change that we could feel empowered to learn that you need to manage your manager a little bit too like say hey you know this is what i'm like and this is what i like and it's really sweet that you say this but would you you know would you understand if i told you that this is what i want you know just find a way a neutral or a nice way to say this and that would be really good. I didn't do that early in my career because it's it's lovely to be said that you're a nice person and, yeah. you know, it makes you feel good. And I look at perhaps women who, A, haven't had those role models, who've had their self-esteem constantly chipped at because they saw their mother in an inferior position to their father, um, who have then gone out into the world and society itself does its fair share of chipping away at women's self-esteem through, you know, the sexualization and objectification of women um, and the gender pay gap and so forth. So it's a real issue. It's not a sort of fake imagined issue. Um, and then, you know, women who, you know, suffer from, I think, who are prone more to sort of, you know, mental illness or physical illness or just, you know, have more fatigue, um, and who are perhaps able to multitask as well. So I think it's unfair because what it really says is perhaps someone like me who's to the, who actually has extreme um, abilities to cope in high-pressured environments, and actually I love it and I'm flourishing it to a certain degree, you know, I'm probably 1% of women. And what the having it all tells society or tells women is you, the 99% should be like the 1%. 
because we are a minority and it's changing i see the evolution of things changing for the better but what i've seen is that sometimes guys they don't know how to deal with women as colleagues they they think of me like i had a manager he was very very nice early in my career and he sort of saw me as more of a daughter figure than you know uh something else so the personal qualities right and i'm friendly and whatever so maybe you know we had a good personal interaction but that was hurting me because he was trying to shelter me from the mean colleagues you know the ones who are nasty and everything and keeping me from those opportunities in a way i saw that he didn't mean to do it he was but he was trying to protect me too much and that's not good for me as an employee i need to learn to deal with it right i'm not dating the guy i'm been a meeting with him and if he's yelling scold him for yelling or being nasty don't don't try to shield me from it so there is some of that i think they don't know how to deal with with women sometimes as a coworker as an equal oh for me definitely pure trial and error i had no idea like i was depressed in grad school wasn't sure if i was going to finish the degree didn't know who i was was i getting my phd because my dad wanted a phd in the family or because i wanted i had a full breakdown like existential crisis and was questioning everything like the entire narrative that had been told to me about myself my whole life or that i had started to reinforce about myself my whole life like i decided to revisit and i tried things that i thought i didn't like and some of them were not so bad and some of them i really didn't like and so i was like okay we'll keep that and you know every opportunity that came along that seemed interesting i said yes to kind of with the knowledge that if i didn't like it we could renegotiate <laughs> i i i was a little bit of an odd child and and i was quite bright and i was quite young so as i say a little bit younger and uh but uh that hasn't held me back i think that sometimes um children if they have i don't know problems or if they you know they they can turn to turn to learning turn to books as something quite secure you know so i think that i found a security in in the science and in the physics and in the maths and was good at it and and people tend to do do the things that they're good at because then that makes them feel that makes them feel good <laughs> i think it varies for different women so when you are pregnant women vary in terms of you know hormones how it affects their physical and mental and emotional being sometimes those effects last you know up to 2 to 3 years after you have children and then if you then start for having another child another child and another child after that it could be 15 years that your mind that your um your body has change the equilibrium in your you know physical mental and emotional states so you know you're actually also trying to deal with biology and there's no amount of like positive thinking or oh come on women step up can do it you actually you know there's there's biological impacts when you have children and um and also and, and you know and it has a huge impact in in women's careers and and women's relationships with men it is really really difficult but again it affects some women more than others it's not an equal playing field yeah for sure and i think that one of the best things that's happened to the stem industry is minecraft it's gotten this is where i think women have to really take responsibility for some things too like you know we talked about pushing through anyway if you really love it 
you've got to figure out how to make it happen. And once there are more of us at the top, we can lead the way and change the rules and and open the doors for other people for a more well-balanced workplace. But Minecraft has raised a whole generation of young women now entering universities on uh, STEM tracks because they've been, for the last eight to 10 years, have been seeing themselves as builders and makers and working with toolkits that look a lot like software. And I think this is really, you know, you got to get down to the root level and start young, shaping that mind to see themselves that way, right? And, uh, and, you know, I always felt that playing video games kind of made me a little bit of a badass too. Someone's not going to listen to you if you have nothing to show for being passionate for that sort of um, career. It's quite often that things happen in our lives. We're not expecting them. You fail in some way at something you've never failed before. Or somebody dies or a relationship breaks up. Things happen in our lives. And it's traumatic and it seems like a disaster. And what we were kind of taught was to turn that around and actually use it as an opportunity to think, rethink the direction in which you're going. So you're right. I think that, at, you know, at certain times you thought, OK, this has happened. It might have been a disaster or it might have felt like a disaster. But actually what they're saying is later on you will see that as an opportunity because it that apparent disaster led to something else, led to a slightly different direction. It led to something else because people's lives don't always go smoothly, you know, and sometimes failing at something is is traumatic for people who are very bright uh, because they've always, they've always succeeded all their lives. Failing at a relationship can be traumatic, you know, if it breaks down. Um, but actually, you have to look at it, turn it around, because actually that makes you stronger. That makes you a stronger person in the long run. And it also makes you much more empathetic to other people that have been through a difficult situation, however severe that situation is. I think you can then be empathetic towards them. So uh, life does not go smoothly for most people. There are very few people that I know that it has just gone smoothly for. So I think it's, it's a question of how you deal with those challenges, how you pick yourself up how you look around for support, how you deal with that. That's all for today. Please do subscribe, rate and review the show. I'd love to have your feedback. Thanks for listening and catch you tomorrow for more from the best of silence.